Welcome to Werewolf the Podcast, a retrospective podcast about Werewolf the Apocalypse. Imagine. Imagine Atlantic City. Imagine HLGCon. The boardwalk. The beach. The hotels. The casinos. Imagine an old hotel, renovated, restored, open to the public in a way it never was before. Now imagine a series of quirky, intense, and interesting event rooms. Imagine the coolest bar you've ever wanted to host a LARP in. And that's the showboat. HLGCon is happening October 12th through the 14th of 2018 in the Showboat Hotel and Resort in Atlantic City. We'll have LARP, tabletop, board games, and more. We've struck a deal with several LARP studios to run a blockbuster LARP, Pandemonium, that'll be unlike any other event in 2018. Find us on the web at hlgcon.com. Come join us. Imagine it, and we'll make it a reality. Welcome to another episode of Werewolf the Podcast. This podcast is going to be about Tribe Book, Children of Gaia. And I'm going to say this up front. The Children of Gaia are not the tribe that you think they are. They are much deeper than that, much more interesting than that. And um, there are some elements of this tribe book that actually make me go, hot dang, for the first time ever, I might be interested in playing a, uh, a child of Gaia. So that's something, uh, definitely something to be said for this particular book. It came out in 1994. It was written by Daniel Greenberg with Heather Curatola, developed by Bill Bridges, edited by Heather Bryden, art direction by Richard Thomas, comic book art by Dan Smith, internal art by Richard Kane Ferguson, Scar Studios, Joshua Gabriel Timbrook, the front and back cover was designed by Robert Dixon, and the back cover art was by Joshua Gabriel Timbrook. And this book is, just like the other three before it, about 60 to 70 pages. It's about, uh, it looks like it's slightly longer than the other ones, and it's uh, probably, so probably like 73 pages or so. And it's in, for me, the Litany of the Tribes, Volume 1. The introductory stories in all of these have been comics, little comic stories, and the Children of Gaia one is um, pretty darn violent, which if you're like, oh, the Child of Gaia tribe, they're all pacifists and so forth and so on, you might be surprised to see how violent it is, but the Children of Gaia are not pacifists. They might be against killing humanity, and they might want to live alongside humanity in some level, but they aren't out to kill them. They aren't, and they aren't um, pacifists. They are peace builders, but being a peace builder does not make you a pacifist. And I can say this really clearly for people out there, that I have a master's degree in international peace and conflict resolution and a bachelor's degree in political science with a focus in international studies. So with, again, most of my research being on identity and how identity interacts with security and how security then interacts with national movements and national behaviors. So that said... When I look at something like this, 
I see the children of Gaia as peacemakers, people that will take active action to bring peace between groups with the goal of uniting everyone within a common goal. So unlike a pacifist who says any violence is wrong, the children of Gaia say violence with a purpose is right. Violence with the goal of bringing ultimate peace is right to the world. And that is really, that is the focus of the children of Gaia, is looking at the worm and looking at the Garu nation and saying, and looking at all of the other pharaoh that the Garu have destroyed and saying, whoa, 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 whoa. How we're going about this is wrong. How we are fighting this war is wrong. How we disconnect ourselves from the world around us is wrong. How we demonize humanity is wrong. What we should be doing is taking these creatures, these human beings, and putting them towards, directing them towards the war that we are fighting, getting them back on the side of rejuvenating Gaia. And maybe, and some children of Gaia see this as, maybe we need to push the wheel along and crush all of the world and then start from new. Which, that was the part that I was like, oh, I hadn't really thought of things from the from from that perspective within the children of Gaia. So be to be able to do that and think about that and say, okay, well, if the children of Gaia believe in creating an ultimate peace in the universe, maybe they're due to fall to the worm pretty darn soon. Because they might see the worm's corruption ultimately as an opportunity to bring peace to the universe. If the worm wins, then the children of Gaia win because then everything is within the purview of destruction. It's gone to oblivion, potentially. Now, that is a very nihilistic read of the children of Gaia because that's not necessarily how everything in this book is designed. It's written very much from the sense of humanity is good. And if humanity is good, how do we ensure that within that goodness, that peace peace is assured in the long run? So that's chapter one-ish. Chapter one dives into a lot of history and a lot of connections to the children of Gaia. Um, The children of Gaia are probably the most ethnically diverse second to the Bonars of the tribes presented so far. And partly that's because of their earlier connections to human societies and their desire to spread out through all of humanity. And for those that might not be aware, the weakness slash strength of the children of Gaia is that they are less likely to cause serious delirium amongst humans, and that's because they didn't participate in the Impergium in the same way that the rest of the Garu did. Um, Anyway... Getting on to chapter two. Chapter two of this tribe book focuses in on the camps again, on how the children of Gaia view the litany and all of these different things. And the totem of the children of Gaia is unicorn. And unicorn being this entity that, again, it believes in bringing peace, but has a weapon on its forehead constantly. 
So yes, it can be a symbol of peace, but it's also a symbol of war for purpose. And the different camps of the children of Gaia are the servants of the unicorn, the crest of the horn, imminent strike, with imminent strike being the ones that believe in basically burning the whole thing down and starting over, destroying most of the nation and saying, yeah, this is all useless. Let's get together and let's preemptively assault the worm and get it all done, which honestly reflects a lot of what the Black Spiral Dancers or the White Howlers thought early on. But then you've also got the Patient Deed, and they are the a little bit of the opposite of the Imminent Strike, who say, look, we need to be careful with this. We need to heal the nation before we go out and try to destroy the worm. And then there are outright pacifists, the anointed ones, who truly believe that any sort of violence is bad, which is an odd place to be as a Garu, but it's understandable that there are some that look at the, um, the children of Gaia's philosophy and say, okay, well, just stop all the violence and we'll see what happens with that. There's also Demeter's daughters, the angels in the garden, and the one tree. Uh, the one tree, there's, then there's Athera in a Morata. Athera in a Morata, which is an interesting one, which has connections to um, Egypt and um, some of the ritualistic elements of sexuality and what that might mean and those connections to humanity. An interesting space to play in because Unicorn has a a lot of the uh, his, the mythological unicorn has a lot of connections to human sex, and so in some ways the children of Gaia take it upon themselves to help humanity make good choices. They act as matchmakers, and in some ways, with that in mind, that speaks to a little bit about what the tribe's focus is. And yes, it's about being amongst humanity, but also in some ways managing them and in that they share a relationship with the Glasswalkers, who were originally the Warders of Man. If you see those two tribes kind of connecting like that, and therefore acting as these shepherds of humanity, it changes the perception of them a little bit. It makes them a lot more about manipulating and managing and long-term vision, again, with the focus of not creating, not being pacifist, but creating long-term peace. And their litany basically reads as a lot more accepting and open, it, open about other individuals within society, within Garu society. They have an idea of respect for everyone and a sense of, yes, Metis, creating Metis might be bad for them, but they are not bad themselves. And so a lot of Metis from other tribes are welcomed into the Children of Gaia tribe. Um, I think to like dive into a specific element of the litany for them, submit to those of higher station. The greatest among us have wisdom and experience, which you would be wise to heed. However, that does, that does not mean they are always right. You may respectfully question their decisions and their actions. Remember, however, that not all tribes allow such questioning. Be careful that you do not question elders of other tribes you may 
as you may question your own leaders, for they may kill you out of hand for the insult. This speaks to a sense that the children of Gaia have that they are going to be interacting with other tribes within the Garu Nation and that they are they try really hard to build respectful bonds with one another and with other tribes by understanding where they're coming from, by empathizing with them, and then building out ways of dealing with them, interacting with them, and leading them towards certain decisions, which could be slightly nefarious. And so this ties into the, if I were to play a Child of Gaia character, I would make them an imminent strike devotee of that camp, and I would have them be a peacekeeper that's going around, in essence, with a long-term goal of causing destruction to the nation, and they might be trying to get all of the Garu they can together to go and fight the worm and ultimately fail, and then bring about the end of it all. And it's a take that I hadn't thought of before for the... um, for the children of Gaia. And sure, again, it's very nihilistic. Maybe it's just the mood that I'm in today. Um, but I wanted to at least let you know that that's kind of some of the thought process that I have about what I might play as a child of Gaia. In, um, in chapter three, you learn a little bit more about how the children of Gaia view the worm, how they view healing, how they view vampires and other creatures within the world of darkness. And I think it's interesting that when you look at healing for them, they say this specifically, nonetheless, we cannot indulge in mournful regret. That way lies Hirano, and that way lies the worm. And this speaks to why I think in some ways they could be headed to the worm eventually, is that the more they look at healing and then look at healing as not being six or having instances of their healing not being successful the more they try to build peace and it hurts them and it breaks them down the more they ultimately decide to heck with it all why are we going to try and heal all of this if it's all going to collapse around us in the end and i don't know again Perhaps I'm in a nihilistic mood, and this is how we get to my interpretation of the children of Gaia, but I think they are an interesting tribe that people spend a little bit less time with in some ways, because playing one of them as a Geru within the Werewolf Nation, it's weird. It's weird to look at a character like this and go, how do I play in a combat game with a character that's probably not a combat? focused character. And the truth is you can play a combat focused character. You can be a child of Gaia that says, look, we shouldn't attack Otulis. There's no point in that. They are the foot soldiers in the war against the worm. We need to look deeper. When we make an attack, we need to make sure that it has an impact on the war that we are fighting. And when you switch that mentality to what is our long-term strategy, how do we actually ultimately defeat the worm, bring balance back to the triad, and heal Gaia, you have an entirely different perspective than the majority of the werewolf or the Garu nation. 
Most of them want to just fight any manifestation of the worm wherever they happen to find it, or the specific manifestations that they focus on. The Black Furies focus on the patriarchy and that manifestation of the worm, and the Bonars focus on the corruption of the worm within human spaces. The children of Gaia say, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's fight the worm as a whole. Let's break down this entire system that we found ourselves in and actually heal stuff, which is refreshing. It's refreshing to have someone step back for a moment and say, maybe we're doing this wrong. And I don't think enough Garu do that. And that's part of the hubris, hubris of the Garu to not think enough about how they're successful. Just like all of the other um, tribes so far, you've got an uh, appendix of powers, of rights, uh, different merits and flaws, which are pretty interesting. The um, the fetishes in here, Truth Feather, level 2, Gnosis 6. This fetish is a single falcon feather. It provides a level 1 Phylox gift, Truth of Gaia. It's pretty nice. For 2 points, 1 point less than the actual gift, and if it's not in your... Um, in your word in your auspice, you might be able to have a gift that you wouldn't otherwise have, which is helpful. And again, a lot of their stuff is about truth and healing and seeing things for how they really are. And that's interesting. That's, uh, again, uh, I could go on about this for hours, but the children of Gaia spend, um, they interact in the world differently than other tribes. And you've got the same templates that you've had in the other one. The first one being wise fool. And I think this is a concept that gets overplayed a little bit. But I think you can play that if you're going to do a ragabash. But to me, the supernatural investigator, that's... If you want to play Columbo in the world of darkness, which I have done... I actually played a character that was basically Columbo in the World of Darkness. My character was a Hamid, was a human, actually, um, in a vampire game. But you could very easily play a child of Gaia trying to figure out what the reality of the situation is around them, what is happening, why it's happening, and going from there and looking into that. The... The... Uh, Important NPCs in this section, in the last section of this book, speak to a little bit of the diversity of the children of Gaia. There are a couple from North Africa and a couple from um, Sub-Saharan Africa. And there's a uh, character that has connections to the Middle East and some English. And there's an English one as well. So the children of Gaia are, are not as tied, as I've said before, to that like specific ethnic element that some of the other tribes are. And it speaks to their connections throughout humanity. What would I do for story hooks for the children of Gaia? Well, one thing I would potentially do is that the one of the pharaoh, that the Apis, that an apis, uh, the werebores, has been discovered. Not the werebores, the um, were-oryx has been discovered. And the children of Gaia have to try to make a connection with it. And they've been tasked with uh, 
building relationships up again with the apis and uh, in the hope of you know having the nation begin to heal the rifts with the various pharaoh around that's one thing you could do um, i would lean into the story uh, idea that i've been kind of latched on to of the children of Gaia falling to the worm and the reasons they fall to the worm being they're hubris in a sense of if they if they go for it all the way then they'll be able to ultimately bring healing and purpose back to the world but as they discover fairly quickly the worm's a corruptive influence and not a, the dissolving worm for a reason and they can try and speak all they want to to oh if we just turn the wheel then all of the universe will be restored doesn't end up working that way potentially it might work out you never know depending on the type of story you want to run the last hook that i would provide would be that the children of gaia have to go into a war zone a specific war zone um Perhaps we can pull out a real-world example and, uh, and go with Syria. And if you do do that, you need to be careful that you are respectful to the Syrian people that are actually dealing with some of the issues they're dealing with right now. But I could see a children of Gaia pack going into Syria and trying to heal and help as many people as they can and running into worm entities that are there, that are eating off the suffering that the uh, human um, elements are causing within that conflict. And the children of Gaia have to decide, do we try to act as peace builders here, or do we just focus on the things that we can do ourselves? And I think that would be an interesting uh, storyline to have them engage in. And honestly, a lot of peace builders that go out um, you know, some folks that work for the UN, some folks that work for other NGOs go out and they try to build peace in these spaces and they just see it all crumble around them and they try to fight for it constantly and it doesn't always work. And that could be a good story for a child of Gaia pack or a, a couple of children of Gaia within a greater pack of werewolves and trying to navigate all of those spaces. So in some ways, I've spent less time on the tribe and less time on the book itself than I have in other episodes. But to me, the children of Gaia are that peace builder world in a lot of ways. They're folks that want to see a world that heals rather than harms. And in doing so, they make bad choices, long-term choices that bring harm and pain to the universe whether or not they intend to or not so with that happy note this has been an episode of werewolf the podcast this has been our children of gaia tribe book first version episode and if you have any questions comments or concerns you can get back to us i hope that wherever you are raging in the world you are raging with a purpose and with a goal of peace
Hello folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts, or just media in general that deals with your favorite white wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded, one which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called White Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there.